Welcome to Wizard Studies. I'm Audrey. And I'm Katie. And today we are going to be talking about a favorite date spot, weekend getaway for Hogwarts students, uh, Hogsmeade Village. Woo! (laughs) So it's going to be kind of like our Diagon Alley, Nocturne Alley episode. Um, We're going to go through like the different locations there and just a bit on what we know for the background of Hogsmeade. Before we get started with that, though, we have some announcements. Yeah, so just full disclosure, we are (laughs) recording this on Sunday, August 2nd. So if you are listening to this the day it comes out, you'll realize that that is coming up quite soon. Um, Something was wrong with our audio files, and I didn't start editing until way later, so (laughs) this is a re-record. So just a heads up about that, um, which actually kind of works out pretty nicely because our Patreon is now live. Before we had recorded probably this like super awkward like we're recording this three weeks out. We like thank you so much. Um, But now since we're recording this after our Patreon launch it makes a little bit more sense. So thank you to all of the people that have already committed to be our patrons. We really really appreciate it. Um, It means so much to us. We've talked a lot about this in the past, kind of what we want to use that money for, how we're going to use it, um, and the perks that are going to come along with that. So thank you so much. I won't harp on that any longer because I think we've talked about that in the past five episodes. (laughs) Um, And if you are interested in becoming a patron, you can go to patreon.com and just search Wizard Studies Podcast and it should pop up. And just a quick reminder about the logistics, we don't have any specific tiers on there right now. We're going to introduce tiers if and when we get to seven patrons and that'll include some more um, some more perks, more organized tiers, more organized perks, and more organized goals on there. So just a heads up about that. So then the other thing that I talked about three weeks ago when we recorded this episode um, was kind of unrelated to Potter, but related to the Potterhead community, I guess. Um, I just wanted to plug a documentary that I watched on Netflix called Disclosure, and it's produced by Laverne Cox, who is from Orange is the New Black, and it's about trans representation in media kind of tracing it throughout history basically back like all the way back to like the start of film um and going through different tropes that trans people are like presented as fulfilling stereotypes dangerous portrayals and representations that we see kind of throughout history um it's a really really well-made documentary it's very educational it's very accessible and i think everyone should watch it um particularly if you're listening to this podcast you are a harry potter fan which means you're probably aware of the author's transphobic views and i think watching this is a good step to educating yourself and understanding um why those views are transphobic how they fit into the history of um trans representation in media and the way that trans people are viewed and stereotyped and in dangerous ways so i think i would love everyone to go watch that it came out um in june i think and now it's like 
August at this point, um, but still a new film on Netflix and definitely worth your time. Yeah. Um, okay, so getting started about Hogsmeade. Um, its name is Hogsmeade Village. <laughs> and then I will talk about the etymology a little bit here. So I don't believe JK has ever come out and like actually talked about where she got the name Hogsmeade or what she used to inspire her. But there have been some conjecture on the fans part that the hogs part of Hogsmeade comes from Hogwarts because we know it's like very close to the school grounds. It's used as the train station the students go there it's very connected to Hogwarts so that makes sense to me and then um mead could come from like the drink like mead um I think that Madame Rose Murda has mead like oak matured mead I think that's like one of the things that the three broom six is known for and I guess somebody says on this like thread thing that I'm reading that the hogshead also has mead Yeah. Oh, sorry. I just saw the other thing. The other possible meaning of mead is that, like, it's a poetic term for a meadow. So people have, like, thought that maybe Hogsmeade started out as, like, a large meadow near Hogwarts. And then, like, when Hogwarts was, like, more built up and was more established, they created, like, the Hogsmeade from the meadow. I like that. Multiple interpretations of it. Yeah. Um, basically the what of Hogsmeade, if you have been confused to this point, Hogsmeade is the only all-wizarding village in all of Britain, so obviously we know that wizards live throughout Britain, but at in those areas they live kind of alongside muggles or on the outskir- outskirts of muggle villages, like the um, Weasleys, I think, like live on the outskirts of Ottery St. Cashville. Mm-hmm. Um and Hogsmeade is actually the only all-wizard village, so that ties back to its founding, which Katie's going to talk about next. Yeah, so Hogsmeade was founded in the 10th or 11th century by Hanks of Woodcroft, which is kind of pretty concurrent with the founding of Hogwarts. I believe we generally say it's in, like, what, the 900s? Yeah, so, I like, I think they say, like, 10th century, so yeah. Hogsmeade was, like, right around or right after yeah, so then just a little bit about Hengst, who was the founder. He was born in the Middle Ages, no later than 982. Um, and he attended Hogwarts and was a Hufflepuff there. So I think that we can probably say with confidence that he was taught by Helga Hufflepuff herself, because he went there pretty soon after it was established. And then, so he's generally credited with the founding of Hogsmeade. Um, He had to flee from his home due to Muggle persecution. And then, according to lore, he had, like, lived in the Three Broomsticks Inn, like, in the rooms above the bar. And then, obviously, he died at some point. And (laughs) we have this information because he's featured on a chocolate frog card. He was one of the first, the, one of the very first cards collected by Harry Potter. So he must be mentioned like in that scene on the train when like Ron and Harry open a bunch of chocolate frogs mm. and look at the cards. There are so many like Easter eggs in that scene. Yeah. Yeah. So he definitely, he was mentioned in Philosopher's Stone. He was mentioned in the Philosopher's Stone video game. And then the video games, you do a lot of chocolate frog collecting, chocolate frog card collecting. So I'm sure that's like where it was mentioned. Yeah. 
And then the location of Hogsmeade is, of course, near Hogwarts. Um, that's like the most specific that we know, canon-wise. Um, obviously, Hogwarts is in Scotland, in the Scottish Highlands, so Hogsmeade is in that area as well. What's pretty cool is that Google Maps actually gives a location for Hogsmeade. So if you like search on Google Maps Hogsmeade, and then it'll like if you're in the U.S., it'll probably try and give you the universal Hogsmeade. Um, so if you type, start typing like Hogsmeade Scotland, it'll come up um, and it gives like an actual location in the Scottish Highlands on the northern slopes of a mountain that I'm not going to try and say, but in English translates to Peak of the Grey Quarry, which is 25 miles west of Inverness. Maybe if you're from Scotland, you know what I'm talking about there. Uh, so it's pretty remote wilderness and it can only be reached by experienced and well-equipped hill walkers. So I think it's kind of cool like that they actually give it a location and it's very remote. So who knows? Like it could be there. Um, and like even on Google Maps, it, like where they show like photos of the place that you're looking at, it has like one of the shots of Hogsmeade from the movies with the... Mm -hmm all the little pointed roofs and of course it's always covered in snow yeah <laughs> that's one of the things about like like hogsmeade in hogwarts mystery oh. is literally it's always snowy <laughs> but like you'll be like on the ground at hogwarts and mm. there's no snow but like hogsmeade always has snow. <laughs> yeah well in the movies it is kind of like portrayed as being like on the top of a mountain kind of thing mm. So maybe because it's, like, on the top of a mountain, it's always snowy there. Maybe. Yeah, I mean, I remember when, like, Hogsmeade was first announced for, like, Universal and kind of, like, the first, like, mock-ups or the first, like, commercial showing Hogsmeade. There's, like, a big deal about, like, bringing snow to Central Florida like, year-round kind of thing. Uh, but <laughs> speaking of Hogsmeade and Hogwarts, because that's what this episode is about, um, Hogsmeade's connection to Hogwarts is, like I mentioned earlier, it serves as, like, the train station for the Hogwarts Express. Like Audrey mentioned in the intro of this episode, um, students past their second year, so third year and above, can spend weekends at Hogsmeade, which... It's, like, always said as, like, weekends and weekend trips. Do you think it's, like, a Saturday-Sunday kind of thing? Or do you think it's, like, only a Saturday? I feel like they always say it's a Hogsmeade weekend. Yeah. But then they only talk about the Saturday. So maybe you can yeah. go on the Sunday, but, like, no one does. Yeah, it's, like, after going on Saturday, like, you don't want to hike up that mountain again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and then we do know that at some point, um, McGonagall lived there when she was teaching at school, when she was married to Elphinstone Urquhart. So professors do have the option to live there. And like, honestly, I don't know why professors wouldn't live there. I mean, I guess like maybe the housing at Hogwarts is free and they would have to pay for housing in Hogsmeade. But like, guess, yeah. I mean, maybe heads of houses might have to stay, because, like, I think McGonagall does kind of serve as, like, house mother to, like, Gryffindor, <laughs> you know? Like, she always, like, comes to the common room, or, like, if there's ever, like, parties, she'll, like, come and be like, comment down here, folks. But, like, if you're just another professor, I don't know why you wouldn't just live in Hogsmeade. Yeah. Like, to get away from the students and kind of, like, have your own place instead of living at, like, a boarding school. Yeah, it's it does seem, like, weird professors really don't have like 
a life of their own. Yeah. If you live at school, at yeah, the school. Yeah, like, where do you live during the summers? Do they yeah, just, like, have the, another house? Or, do you or they, they could probably out? still live at the school. Yeah. And, like, I bet a bunch of them, like, go on vacation and, like, Coral, like, goes to um, Albania, oh, yeah. you know? Like, they go on, like... <laughs> Like sabbaticals, but over yeah. the summer, you know. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. Interesting. Yeah, I feel like I would want to live in Hogsmeade, but we never really like, get to know any of the people that live in Hogsmeade besides like the business owners. So it's yeah. kind of like maybe the professors are just all friends with each other. So like. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like I would just like want my own place. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know what and, like, they're like rooming situation is like do you think they have like their own kitchen or do you think they like fully rely on like the hogwarts kitchens like students do probably but they can probably like order food you know like like, they probably don't have to go to the great hall like they probably have a connection to the kitchens where they can be like hey can you send me up you know like what if every professor in their like quarters had a table where like like, that are like the great hall tables like that would be cool plates and stuff that would be cool All right, so now getting into kind of the majority of this episode, we're going to just talk through the shops and locations in Hogsmeade, when we visit them in the series, and like why and how we know they're there. Um, So the first one is Dervish and Bangs, which sells and repairs magical instruments. And we know about Dervish and Bangs because Ron mentions it in Prisoner of Azkaban. He had sent Harry a sneakoscope for his birthday, and I think it's on the Hogwarts Express, or when they're in the Leaky Cauldron, maybe, where they think that the sneakoscope is malfunctioning. Ron's like, oh, it's pretty cheap. Um, It's actually doing its job because Scabbers, aka Pettigrew, is there. But he says, Ron says, like, oh, we can go see if we can get it repaired at Dervish and Bangs, um, because it must be malfunctioning, because, you know, there's no danger around us right now. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. All those, all those times. All those, and like, then, little Easter eggs in Prisoner of Azkaban kind of, like, leading up to, like, Peter's reveal mm-hmm. is, like, real good. I think, it, like, I mean, we talk about this all the time because I love the reveal in Prisoner of Azkaban and you love the reveal in Goblet of Fire. Uh, those are, like, two of our favorite, like, scenes. Yeah. But I just think those two books do it so well. Where, like, the rest of the books also have, you know, there's always, like, some kind of reveal and you figure things out at the end. Like, Half-Blood Prince, the reveal is that, like, Snape is the Half-Blood Prince and that kind of stuff. But, like, I really think that Prisoner of Azkaban and Goblet of Fire do those little Easter eggs so well. Yeah, I think it's, like, partially because, like, 5, 6, and 7 are kind of like end game like I feel like yeah. even in order of the phoenix it gets to be more like end game centered um yeah not like avengers end game but like the horcrux <laughs> as the end game kind yeah. of deal so I feel like it's trying to step so many things at once whereas like in prisoner and in goblet it was more like the end goal happens within those books yeah so it was like yeah. easier to lead up to yeah, and, like, five, six, and seven all end with battles. Yeah. Whereas, like, three and four and, like, even one and two with, like... And two, I think I just read... I just read two. And two does this well with, kind of, like, the reveal of Riddle. Oh, and Ginny, too. I feel like there and are, Ginny, like, There's eggs. a ton of Easter eggs with Ginny. Like, Ginny's not feeling well. Ginny's distraught because she sat next to Colin Creepy and Charms. Like, all yeah. these things. Mm. Anyway. 
Um, so another mention of Dervish and Banks in the series is that they meet Sirius um, up the street from Dervish and Banks in Goblet of Fire when he's hiding out in the caves as Padfoot. And it's located at the end of High Street. High Street is like the main street and um, Dervish and Banks is at the end. And so they go like even further past that kind of like into the hills um, to meet Sirius. And then we have Dogweed and Deathcap, which it's is a, a name. it's a really good name. Um, it's a herbology shop. And Dogweed um, are daisy-like flowers, and they grow in regions of the of the U.S. and Mexico. And then Deathcap is a poisonous fungus that grows kind of across Europe. So I guess it's implied that these are used in like potions and different magical things i think we hear of dogweed as a potions ingredient maybe mm-hmm. it sounds Probably. like familiar to me yeah um death cap maybe not so much but <laughs> i think we know about this shop just because it's located at the wizarding world i don't think it's ever mentioned like in canon yeah um the next shop is called dominic maestro's music shop so it's run by Mr. Dominic Maestro, and it appears in the Wizarding World and the Lego video games and Hogwarts Mystery. Oh, I remember. So one thing that I found, like we did these notes a long time ago, so <laughs> I'm really proud that I remember this because I didn't make a note of it anywhere. One of the things I found while researching is that like the Lego video games and the Wizarding World mm-hmm. came out like within a month of each other. So when there's something in the Lego video game as well as at the Wizarding World, there must have been, like, some communication behind the scenes between the two people who created. I guess there was definitely more than two people involved in both of those things. But between, like, the two groups that created both the Wizarding World and the Lego video game, and they had to have, like, been like, I'm going to put this in the Wizarding World and the Lego video game's like, cool, I'll put that in the Lego video games. So I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah. I just want to interject because I feel like we do this a lot and sometimes we don't clarify. But when we say, like, the Wizarding World in this context, mm-hmm. we're talking about, like, the Wizarding World at Universal in Orlando. Yeah. Um, and then sometimes we talk about, like, the Wizarding World as in, like, the world in which Harry Potter lives. Yeah. So usually you can tell from context, but in case anyone's <laughs> confused by that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and then speaking of like Orlando I've never been to the like Universal in Hollywood so like very well may be the Mm. same set of shops um but I don't know so this is true I always forget that there's one in Hollywood yeah because I feel never mind I'm not gonna say anything because I don't know what I'm talking about (laughs) um so the next shop is glad rags wizard wear and so this is a clothing store founded in 1750 and they have branches in london paris and hogsmeade and we learn that from an ad that runs at the quidditch world cup that harry sees through like his omnioculars i'm pretty sure so the trio does visit this shop at one point in this series and it's when they're shopping for a present for dobby because they feel bad because dobby gets them presents and they're like oh shoot we have to get dobby something now (laughs) or no i think no this was after like harry gave him this and like thanks for the gillyweed i'm pretty sure yeah because dobby gave harry the (laughs) gilly wow dobby gave harry the gillyweed not neville 
Um, so they, like, the only thing we hear about because of the context in which they visit is, like, the novelty socks that they look at. Because <laughs> obviously they have to get Dobby socks and they're looking at, like, funky ones. Um, like, there's one, they mentioned, like, one that screams when it gets too dirty. Um, kind of just, like, funky socks like that. And so it's kind of assumed that maybe it is a little bit more of, like, an eccentric wizard wear like more like magical clothing than just like robes and dresses um but like I said that might also just be like circumstance like this is the only thing the trio is looking at when they go um but also a glad rag is a slang term for vintage clothing purchased from a consignment shop so I feel like that also kind of like adds to this feel that maybe it's a little bit more eccentric maybe more like a not like I mean, I don't know how shops in the Wizarding World work, but maybe it's more of a kind of, like, instead of one store producing all the clothes that are in that store, it's more of, like, a hodgepodge of all of these different things, like, kind of like a novelty shop. Yeah, all right. And then the next storefront or shop that we know of is the hairdressing salon, which this was one of the ones that, like, made me kind of think the most, like... Mm. So it's, uh, it's across the street from Honeydukes, and we know of it because it's in the Prisoner of Azkaban film, and it looks like the same, like, storefront as Madame Malkin's and Sorcerer's Stone. Um, but I think it's just kind of, like, funny to think about, like, we never see, like, Harry and co. doing kind of, like, mundane things, like going to get your hair done. Um, and I think it's, like, interesting to think about, like, what what a wizarding hairdressing salon would look like. Um, I'm sure they use, like, tons of potions, like, probably, like, sleek, easy hair potions. But I wonder if there's, like, a magical component, like, with your wand to it. Yeah. I do remember when we recorded this, um, we had a conversation about, like, haircutting. Because we see Hermione cut Harry's hair, like, with scissors in Deathly Hallows. So, like, that I feel like implies that either there's not really, like, a spell that just instantly styles somebody's hair or that, like, it's very difficult and even, like, Hermione didn't really want to try it. Right. Like, difficult and dangerous kind of thing. Or, like, I guess it could be kind of, like, a holdover from Hermione being muggle-born and that, like, maybe in, like, maybe Mrs. Weasley, like, would, like, cut Mm. her kid's hair with her wand but like obviously Hermione grew up going to get her hair cut or like having her parents do it with scissors I feel like I could also see Harry being like let's just use the scissors you know like not wanting to risk it with the magic even though I would trust Hermione more with magic than with scissors (laughs) Uh, so I wonder if like kids go here to get their hair cut like on Hogsmeade weekends yeah I don't know if like for an event which like obviously for the Yule Ball we know that Hermione does her own hair but you know maybe like some of the professors like went Mm, down to Hogsmeade you know gotta get their hair did that'd be cute but I don't think like McGonagall did that (laughs) maybe Dumbledore did oh I could see Dumbledore doing that I feel like I could also see like maybe Flitwick Ooh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I couldn't see Sprout doing it. I couldn't no. see Snape doing it. I couldn't I mean, really Lockhart, see. Oh, but he would. Oh, he wasn't I, there. His life's ambition is create his own range of hair care products. Yeah, so I'm sure he, he might have done it by himself. I feel like Hagrid wouldn't do it. I also feel like they would 
could slash would maybe just be like, no, I'd rather just not do your hair, Hagrid. <laughs> just like the shot being like, this is too much for us. There might be stuff living in Hagrid's hair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, honestly. Maybe, maybe like Madame Maxime went down. Mm, you know? yeah, She's like yeah. an elegant woman. I don't think she would do her own hair, you know? No, no. <laughs> anyway, the other, the next one, which is also one that kind of like made me think because, again, it doesn't really like seem necessary at first glance, um, is the Hogsmeade post office. So obviously it's an owl post office. It's not like mail trucks and stuff. Um, but this at first like didn't make any sense to me because it's like, seems like most families have owls and like students have access to Hogwarts owls. Um, but then I guess like within the series, um, we like Harry wants to go in and see it when he's under the invisibility cloak because Hermione and Ron had mentioned it when they went to Hogsmeade without Harry. And so Ron like goes in under the guise of pretending to be interested in sending an owl to Bill in Egypt. And that's mm-hmm. like how Harry gets to see the inside. Cause obviously he can't just like go in, like walk in the door by himself because yeah. <laughs> he's in, under the invisibility cloak. But I guess it's, like, maybe more for, like, long-distance things or, like, if your owl is, like, out on a trip and you need to send something. Or maybe you don't, like, maybe not all wizarding families have owls, you know? Yeah. Even though, like, the Weasleys have an owl, so it's, like... Yeah. I can also see, like, if somebody gets the paper every day, like, they... (sighs) Well, no, those are daily profit owls. Okay. I was going to say, like, because if their owl needs to be doing, like, mundane, like, everyday kind of things, mm. if they did need a long trip, like, to Egypt or to Romania, yeah. it might make more sense to do that. Because an owl can't be, like, two places at once. <laughs> you would think. Hedwig can. Hedwig probably could. But I also think, like, the Weasleys, we know, kind of live, like, they don't live near an all-versioning village. So, like, mm. obviously, there's no owl post office there. Like in the Muggle town, and like they're so they're kind of like countryside. So maybe yeah. like families that live more like rurally have their own owl because they can't just go down and like pay for the use of one. Yeah, you know it's I kind also, of like an investment to have your own. Yeah, and I was gonna say with Mister Weasley being a ministry worker, like it might be more important that he always has an owl. Yeah. But then again, I'd probably say that most people are ministry workers because we do know that there are pretty <laughs> limited job options. <laughs> In the wasting world. Yeah. Um, and then, so, the inside, the description, we have a description from Prisoner of Azkaban when Harry goes here. Um, so, it's described as housing at least two to three hundred owls, ranging from great gray owls to tiny scops, the latter for local deliveries only, hooting down from color-coded shelves so like they're color-coded based on what owl and like how far they go i think yeah it says the shelves are color-coded based on how quickly they will arrive at their destination so like some colors are probably more expensive than others um it just sounds like a really kind of like cool quirky little like addition to the series and like little shop yeah um i will say at the Wizard World in Orlando, I believe, so there is, like, a post office storefront, and I think you can mail stuff, like, from Hogsmeade. Oh, that's cool. Um, so, if, because they, like, sell a bunch of, like, postcards, so if you ever want to, like, write a postcard and send it to somebody from Hogsmeade, I believe you can do that there. 
come you've never done that for me? I don't nail things. <laughs> <laughs> um, the next is Hogsmeade Station, which I mentioned earlier. This is where the Hogwarts Express docks when it comes to Hogwarts. Hogwarts. <laughs> Hogwarts as a year. So this is where the students get off and then they either get onto the boats or the carriages. And so it says that it's by the Black Lake so that you can either boat across the lake or take the carriages around, which I feel like the boat would be like the more direct, faster route if you have to go like completely right. around a lake, um, depending on how big it is, I guess. But maybe it's not, like, directly across the lake, you know? Yeah, maybe Like, it's maybe it's, like, like, kind of on the same coast. Yeah, because I had always assumed that the first years take the boats because... Well, I guess they make sense. So the first years might take the boats because it takes longer to get across because, like, all of the other students have to be, like, in the Great Hall when the By first the years arrive. Yeah. Well, then... Yeah. But if the boat is more direct... Like, I mean, I guess it might be like, kind of like you said. But, like, like if you think of the lake as, like, a circle. Yeah, if it's, like... And Hogwarts is at, like, say, at, like, zero degrees, right? Yeah. At the top of the circle. And then, like, maybe Hogsmeade Station is at, like, 90 degrees. Mm. Like, then it's yeah. maybe quicker to go by land. But if it was at, like, 180 degrees directly across the circle. Yeah. <laughs> I could also see, like, they're pretty small boats. So they also just, like, might not move super quickly. Yeah, boats even though they're slow. magical. Yeah. Well, but I mean, they I probably like have to go slower because, like, I feel like the kids... Like, doesn't Colin Creevy fall out of the boat? Yeah. Or Dennis. Is it Colin or Dennis? Dennis. I it's fell Dennis. In Dennis. Or I fell in Colin. Yeah. <laughs> and he's wearing, like, Hagrid's jacket, which doesn't really make sense to me because <laughs> Hagrid is supposed to be so large. And, like, they definitely say that it's big on him. But if this like, 11-year-old <laughs> child... Like, Hagrid, I think they talk about being, like... Like, hands the size of dolphins. That and like is a quote that they use. I think it's feet the size of dolphins. Oh, maybe it's feet. It's in hands. But, and Dennis is supposed to be, like, a small 11-year-old. Like, yeah. I feel like he couldn't even, like, hold the jacket. Yeah, I feel like it would just knock him over. And there's no way he could walk on it. He'd just be stepping on the jacket. <laughs> um, Hagrid's size is, like, wildly inconsistent, I feel like. Yeah. Maybe not so much in the books, but definitely in the movies, which I understand. But. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to talk about the Hogwarts Express because I feel like we've talked about that in at least two episodes, kind of like the history of that and everything. Um, but I will say that it was built and was start started being used by Hogwarts in the 1800s um, when they stopped the port keys, the flying, the <laughs> wildness that happened before. Yeah. So the next shop is Honey Dukes. So that is a, a sweet shop located on High Street in Hogsmeade. It was established in 1641 by Ambrosius Flume and his wife. Which, I'm pretty sure Ambrosius Flume is like the guy that you meet in Hogwarts Mystery. Like, is that right? I think so. So he's like hella old. I'm pretty sure it is. Yeah, so what, does he have a Sorcerer's Stone? Like, yeah, because, like, I mean, Hogwarts Mystery definitely is before Harry's time, but it's not much before. Like, I It happens in, like, the, the 80s. 80s. Yeah. Because yeah. Bill and Charlie, Charlie are, there. are there. Oh, I haven't gained access to Honeydews. And Tonks. My, my Hogwarts Mystery quarantine update is that I'm in year five. It's taking so fucking long. But I just want, like, I want to get through it because I want to say that I did it. Mm, yeah. 
I played like uh, Wizards Unite for a good like two days at one point. <laughs> Because it was, like, right before I went to Universal, I'm like, oh, I'm going to get back into this. Like, I'm going to play a Universal. I feel like there'd be, like, some fun things happening. Totally forgot. <laughs> <laughs> but at Honey Dukes, they sell a wide variety of wizard treats and snacks, as well as fudge and chocolate that is made in-house. So, I'm sure, it's pretty delicious. It's also home to a secret passageway between Hogwarts and Hogsmeade, which we will talk about later, a little bit more in-depth. Um, I also found a note that said it provides the candy for the trolley on the Hogwarts Express, which makes a lot of sense, but I've never thought about that before. I never would have put that together. Right? I mean, like, I don't think it's ever, I don't think there was, like, a source on this, so I assume it's just guessing, but, like, like I said, it makes a lot of sense because it leaves and starts, like, leaves and goes to the Hogsmeade station, so it's by Honeydukes, which... Leads me to ask if the Trolley Witch is an employee of Hogsmeade or of Honeydukes. The Trolley Witch. Uh, Cursed Child ruined the Trolley Witch. <laughs> and like, what is the. Tr- so the Trolley Witch, per Cursed Child, just like never leaves the Hogwarts Express, right? And it like, isn't a person. There. Like, is yeah, like it's a- like a creature. Um. But if we're not taking Cursed Child as canon, which I choose not to, do we think that the Trolley Witch is, like, a supplemental employee to Hogsmeade that, like, helps out when she's there and then just, like, goes on the Hogwarts Express when she's needed? Yeah, I feel like maybe more than supplemental. Like, is probably just, like, a full-time Honeydukes employee who, like, three times a year or whatever just, like, has to go on the journey. Yeah, speaking of three times a year, so... We know that the Hogwarts Express is used to get to Hogwarts at the beginning of the school year and then back to London at the end of the school year. Right. And then I believe it's implied that it's used for Christmas as well, even though Harry, we never see him take the tr- take the Hogwarts Express to get home for Christmas. What about sixth year? Don't they take it to... Do they? I feel like they do, the and then on the way back, they take the night bus. Oh... I don't know. I can't remember. I'll see if I can find it, but... Yeah, because we definitely see in Deathly Hallows, like, Luna is abducted off of the Hogwarts Express, like, while coming home for Christmas break. Um, But then I was also thinking, I believe they have an Easter break, which I feel like is shorter. Do kids... And I feel like... I think it's like a week. Yeah, and, like, I feel like we've seen Hermione leave for Easter break before. I could be making that up, um... But do you think the Hogwarts Express also goes for Easter breaks? Because I think the Hogwarts Express, it takes, like, all day. Because they leave at noon, and they get to Hogwarts, and it's, like, they're starving. It's dinner time. So at least takes, like, what, six hours? Yeah. So I feel like that would be a lot to be, like, one day they leave, and then one day they come back, and then their vacation is, like, eight days long? Because Mm -hmm. it includes weekends? No, ten. No, nine. Anyways, um, I was just trying to figure out how many trips the Hogwarts Express makes in a year. Oh, well, yeah, no, they take the, they take the Hog, Hogwarts Express home for Christmas to, at the borough in mm-hmm. six. Okay. Because this is when, or no, that's, is that a movieism? The lavender thing? Oh. No, I feel like that definitely happens. In the book. Or, like, something yeah. along those lines. Something similar. I think, yeah. I think that they... 
Like, at least Harry and Ron, I think, have, like, they talk on the train, maybe? Harry, Ron, and Ginny take it home to the borough. Hermione, I think, takes it home but spends the holidays with her family because, like, Mm. her and Ron aren't getting along. Yeah. And then I'm pretty sure that they take the night bus back. Or maybe they take the night... No, do they take the night bus back? To London? In fifth year... Because that's when, like, well, there I don't think Mr. Weasley's night been bus, attacked. Does the night bus take them to to London? It takes them to Hogsmeade or to Hogsmeade. Oh, that makes okay. That might be in fifth year. That might be because they well, definitely take flu powder home fifth year because it's like very urgent. Or they yes, take it to Grimmauld yes, Place at yeah. least, maybe not home. Um, yeah, which I think is why they take the night bus fifth year back to Hogwarts because, like, they're. I don't know. I don't know. It doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. Either way, um, it's used more than just to and from Hogwarts at the beginning and then the end of the school year. Right. Back to Honeydukes. <laughs> Honeydukes is a popular stop for students when they go to Hogsmeade. Um, we see Harry and Honeydukes in prisoner when he takes the secret tunnel. And then it's again mentioned in Gobble Fire, Order of the Phoenix, and Half-Blood Prince. I don't know if we ever see them actually go back in Honeydukes in any of those books um, off the top of my head. But they do at least like mention it um, in those three books. Okay. <laughs> Next up, after that long aside, yeah. is J. Pippin's Potions, Wait. which reminds me of J. Finch, mm. Finchin' Around, Finch from around. Finch in the Halls, isn't that something? From Puffs, which is like the one thing that has stuck with me from Puffs. I feel like Puffs didn't make that much of an impression on me, but I every time I think of Justin Finch, Fletchley, I go, J. Finch, Finch yeah. Around. <laughs> Yeah, just quick aside on Puffs. I Audrey and I have both seen it, um, and I don't think either like not in really, person. Yeah, we saw a recording, I believe, on Amazon. Um, they have it up there, or they had. Um, I don't think either of us like really loved it. I think it's Is not it? really my brand of humor, and I also think it's more made for people that are like. 10-ish years older than us. Yeah. Because there's a lot of, like, 90s references, which, like, we were both born in the 90s, but late 90s, so we Mm kind of, like, think a lot of that might go over our heads a little bit. Yeah, it's Uh. definitely also not my type of humor. Like, I feel like I'm just not, like, a sketch comedy. There are some parts that I, like, find funny, like, in, like, the third or nothing. Like, there are, like, little things that have made their way into, um, like, more of the fandom, like, common like used outside yeah i mean of that. that's like, where like good finders i think like are from no that's from very Potter musical oh really i think so do they talk oh, about not. it in puffs no I, i'm pretty sure it's very Potter musical but do they talk about it in puffs maybe maybe it's from both um <laughs> but the the one thing like jay finch finishing around stuck with me and also the Ernie Mac thing, I think, is really funny mm, in Puffs. Yeah, the Quidditch practice thing. That's really fun. Um, but if And, like, how using... he's, like... Oh, sorry. Ernie, Ernie Mac. Like, he's, like, such a bro. Yeah. Ugh. And if you're a longtime listener, I would compare this to Potted Potter, which I saw, like, a really long oh, time yeah. ago. And I think I talked about on the podcast, like, not loving, um, but was enjo- but enjoyed. It's kind of yeah. that, like, same brand of humor. I just feel like it's not my favorite. Yeah. Anyway. 
<laughs> J-Pippin's Potions <laughs> is a chain of apothecaries established in 1753. They sell potions for all ailments. Um, so there are branches in Diagon Alley and Hogsmeade, and it's seen on signs in um, Sorcerer's Chamber and Papa Prince movies. So I think that must be like in Diagon Alley, but maybe it says like Hogsmeade. Mm-hmm. I also think it's in the Wizarding World, so I don't know if that it's in Hogsmeade, just as in like it's in the Wizarding World. Um, mm-hmm. But it's also in the Lego games and Deathly Hallow Part 2 video games. Then we have a big one here, Madame Puttyfoot's Tea Shop, which we do visit in the series. Um, it's a small tea shop located on a side street off of High Street, so a little little bit off the main um, street there. And of course, it's owned by Madame Puttyfoot. Um, and it is known for its tacky and frilly decor. So the time that Harry goes there with Cho, it's Valentine's Day. So we're to assume that it's like even more decorated than normal, right? There's like golden like cupids like heart hovering above each table. Mm-hmm. But I think like the implication is that it it always is kind of like tacky and like frilly, but like it's more so in on Valentine's Day. Yeah. So, we know it's a popular date spot on Hogsmeade weekends. The windows, like, get steamed up because it's a small place and, like, a ton of people go there and it's winter. (laughs) Um, And the place when Harry went was crowded with students kissing and holding hands or snogging, if you will. Um, And Harry calls it, quote, the haunt of happy couples, which I think is, like, a great... Great way to sum it up. This is how I would feel about it, Harry. Um, So we know him and Cho go on their first and only real date here on Valentine's Day. Cho likes the place. I think she's the one that suggests that they go there. Um, And she had been there with Cedric, and she thinks it's cute. Um, But Harry... Like, thinks to himself that the decor reminds him of Umbridge's office. Um, getting back to the pink in Frilly. <laughs> and this is basically the date from hell. I know we talked about it recently on our show episode. Um, but basically, Harry Cho is crying about Cedric. And Harry ends up telling her that he has to go meet Hermione. And it's all... <laughs> it just doesn't go well. No. Um, also, apparently, this is where Elphinstone first, Elphinstone Urquhart, I think his name is, first proposed to McGonagall, which I just feel like this doesn't, doesn't feel like McGonagall. No. <laughs> Maybe it was a bit more subdued back in the day, but I, I feel like I would say no if I got proposed to in Madame Puttyfoot, even if I want to marry the person. <laughs> it's just a weird place. Yeah, I actually have, um ground rule that I will not accept any proposals unless they are in a hockey arena with a <laughs> hockey game happening or on Disney property so okay Something that's good for me to know on. that so if you ever <laughs> when you are okay. oh, when you're uh dating someone that I think you might marry I'll have to it. tell them <laughs> yeah I'm sure I would have already told them yeah uh but yeah this this was making me think while you were talking. So I know that coffee is, like, not as big of a thing. Like, not as cultural of a thing, at least, in England. Like, Britain it's more is, tea. like, their tea. Tea yeah. is their thing. But, like, they definitely drink coffee as well. Like, there's yeah. coffee drinkers in Britain. 
like probably people who more exclusively drink coffee than tea. Like coffee exists there, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so like, but they never talk about coffee in this. Like, do you think that Maddie Putty Fuzz also sells coffee or do you think it's strictly tea? I think they probably also sell coffee because maybe the Wizarding World is like more tea focused. Yeah. Um, but like, you think about like a coffee shop in America, like almost always also sells tea. Yeah. So I think it might just be like kind of the reverse. Yeah. I could see that. You can get coffee in the Wizarding World, but they only sell hot coffee to my knowledge, which I refuse to drink. Kind of like generally, I just don't drink hot coffee, especially when I'm in Florida and it's hot in the summer. Yeah, it so just doesn't every... make sense for Florida. Yeah. In a like universal, like in a theme park. Yeah, I get that like everything they sell is themed. Like the water bottles there don't, they're not Dasani water bottles. Like they say gilly water on it. Yeah. Everything is themed. But like, you sell hot coffee, you could just sell cold coffee as well. So every day I would have to get Starbucks coffee because they have Starbucks at Universal because I needed coffee. Oh, before you go into... Yeah, like you pass... You, I mean, granted, you pass the Starbucks like on your way there. But a lot of the times when I'd get there at Park Open, the Starbucks was so busy. Mm. So I would... And like Starbucks is at the very front of the park. I feel like I might have talked about this. But to get to the Harry Potter Park part of... Islands of Adventure, it's, like, so far. It takes you so long to walk there. And so it's, like, I would skip Starbucks on my initial walkthrough because it, the line is so freaking long. So I'd go to, like, Hogsmeade, and then I'd have to walk all the way back to get Starbucks, and then all the way back. It was very annoying. Yeah. Anyways. Um, so the next one I'm going to talk about is Ollivander's, which... Both of these are actually very interesting to me. This one less so. But the only reason Ollivander's is listed as being a Hogsmeade shop is because there's an Ollivander's at Hogsmeade in Universal. And this is strictly because, or I don't know this for sure, but this is my guess, a very educated guess if I do say for <laughs> myself. Um, the only reason there's an Ollivander's in Hogsmeade is because Hogsmeade was made well before Diagon Alley at the Wizarding World, and they needed a place to sell shops. And, like, Ollivander's is so iconic that they needed an Ollivander's. Like, they have the Ollivander's experience there where you yeah. meet Ollivander or Juan picks you. Like, there's just no way that they could not have done that. Um, so that's the only reason why Ollivander's is listed as being in Hogsmeade. Um, there's no canon anything that suggests that there would be an Ollivander's in Hogsmeade. But there should be. Yeah, there should be. Like, maybe, maybe if, even if it's not, like, an Ollivander's branch, maybe if it's, like, a knockoff, just, like, if <laughs> students ever need, like, a quick wand. Like, Ron. Like, yeah. if there was, like, a knockoff where you could get a wand for, like, cheap in in um chamber like in second year well i guess you wouldn't have been able to go but like or like there should be like a like a cheap wand shop where like hogwarts will buy students wands if something happens to theirs during the school year yeah they should just have like a store of like because they have like brooms like a broom store of just like crappy brooms they should have that for wands and like i get that like it serves for the plot for want for ron's want to not yeah. work all of second year but it just like it makes no sense and it bothers me so much yeah also we both understand that like the point of a wand is that the wand chooses the wizard but i do believe that is kind of like a very olivander introduced concept um 
And you can use other wands. Yeah, like, wands get passed on all the time. Um, People can, like, just be, you can buy any wand that you want in Ollivander's. Like, he doesn't not let you buy other wands. So, like, we understand that the wand chooses the wizard, but, like, it still would make sense for, like, the school to have, like, a store of just, like, maybe just super basic, like, unicorn hair, some, like, more pliable, like, fits more people would. Yeah. I was going to say some woods, I think, are, like, more, like, will be loyal to any, or not loyal, but, like, will work for any. So, like, oh, why yeah. not just have some, like, generic ones and, like, make them, like, you know, they say the flexibility, like, make them flexible. Yeah. I just, like, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, because, like, what if a student just, not even, not even, like, what Ron does, but just, like, explodes their wand. Like, they have nothing to hold on to anymore. Yeah. Like, what would they do? Guess I mean maybe Ollivanders theoretically could have like a mail service. Yeah. But then you wouldn't be trying out the wands and then it wouldn't have picked you, so why would you spend eleven galleons on a wand that's not even anyways. Uh. Um The next thing I'm gonna talk about is the Hogsmeade branch of Pottage's cauldron shop. So this is another kind of like behind the scenes wizard world, like fun little Easter egg kind of thing. So we talked about this in the Diagonale episode that Pottages did have a branch in Hogsmeade. So again, the only reason that this is listed in Hogsmeade is because it was put there when the Wizarding World opened. And like I mentioned before, it was just Hogsmeade when the the Wizarding World first opened. So they needed a cauldron shop, and I guess Pottages was one that had been mentioned in this series, Um, if I'm not incorrect. um, Maybe not. Maybe I am just making that up. but so they named the cauldron shop in Hogsmeade Pottages. But then when they made Diagon Alley, they moved the Pottages branch to Diagon Alley and they renamed the Pottages Cauldron Shop in Hogsmeade to Saradwin's Cauldron. Yeah. Saradin's well, Saradin's Cauldrons. So Pottages is no longer in the Hogsmeade portion of the Wizarding World. It's only in the Diagon Alley portion. And now the cauldron shop there is Saradwin's Cauldrons. Which brings me to talking about Saradwin's cauldrons. Oh, wait, I, I have one more thing to say. Sorry. So okay. I was trying to fact check this because every time, like, I was trying to find a map of Hogsmeade because I was like, hi, like, I want to make sure that this is correct and not just spew wrong information at the masses that listen to this podcast. So I was trying to, like, look up pictures of Hogsmeade, like, try and find a picture that says Saradwin's cauldron and not pottages. And then I couldn't really find anything online. I'm sure I could have. I just gave up quite quickly, I guess. And so I started looking through the photos on my phone that I've taken of Hogsmeade. I, like... I think I purposely cut this shop out of all of my photos. So it kind of like <laughs> shares a shop front with Madame Puttyfoot's. Like they're they're really close, they're right next to each other. And I have pictures in front of Madame Puttyfoot's. And like I intentionally cut out Sarah Dwin's cauldrons from next to it. But if I like zoom in, I can see like a C and an E, like the very beginning of it. So I'm like, okay, that must be it. Yeah. But I thought that was funny because, like, I scoured my photos, the videos I've taken. Like, I swear I intentionally cut this out of all of my photos and videos of Hogsmeade. That's so funny. <laughs> nice job. <laughs> so, yeah, Saradwin's Cauldrons, Katie basically explained the whole history of it. Um, the one cool thing, I think, is the etymology of the name. So, 
In Welsh medieval legend, Ceridwen was an enchantress or a goddess, like depending on the version of the tale. Um, and Ceridwen had an, a hideously ugly son, so she sought to like make him wise to compensate for him being ugly, you know, naturally. So she made a potion in her magical cauldron and it granted him the, or was supposed to grant him the gift of wisdom and poetic inspiration. Um, and the first three drops of the liquid from this potion gave wisdom, but the rest was a fatal poison. Mm-hmm. Wah, wah. <laughs> um, so I just thought that was cool. And it's like cool to think that like, especially if this was just being named like for Ogsme, or, like for the wizarding world in Universal, like that they like went to the lengths to think of a cool name for it that kind of like had a history to it. Yeah, I have very mixed feelings about the wizarding world. Um, like their attention to detail versus like things I don't like so much about it. Um, mm. Which hopefully one day we will do a wizarding world episode <laughs> once Audrey's come and I'll talk about that later. But I do enjoy, they do have a lot of like hidden Easter eggs and stuff, but there are definitely some things I don't like so much about. So then the next one is Scrivenshaft's Quill Shop, which of course sells quills, parchment, stationery. Um, it also has rainbow ink and extra long quills. So there's some like kind of fun things, but I think it's stated like on the wiki maybe that students usually go to like uh, Zonko's or Weasley's Wizard mm. Pieces for kind of like their joke, like out of out of um, out of the ordinary quills yeah. i guess um hermione of course goes here though to buy a new quill in order of the phoenix um i also was speculating like maybe this was where she bought harry's eagle quill that was i have been under the impression like all summer i feel like this keeps coming up and i keep thinking it was prisoner but i just read chamber and it does happen in chamber oh, wow. so she would have had to like order it i guess because she wouldn't have been able to go to hogsmeade yeah um so who knows Maybe she ordered it from here or from Diagon Alley. And then the etymology of this name, Scriven, is maybe a play on the Welsh word. That means writing. I'm not going to try and say the Welsh word. Um, I will say, I I remember saying this the first time we recorded. When I was looking at your notes, I swear that you just, like, (laughs) ran your hand over the keyboard. I was like, there's no way that's actually what she meant to put in there. I'm just, like, not even going to attempt to. I feel like I that wouldn't would just either. end up being offensive. <laughs> um, it also could come from the word scriven, which mean, with a K, which means written in Swedish. We love some Swedish etymology. Um, and then shafts probably just refers to, like, a pen, pencil, or quill, you know, like a shaft. Yeah. Man. I've been thinking a lot about our study abroad lately, and it makes me really sad. You miss it. I think because I want to, like, travel Travel. again. (laughs) Um, But, yeah. Okay, the next place we're going to talk about is the Shrieking Shack. Um, So, this is an abandoned house in Hogsmeade. I think it's, like, generally on the outskirts of Hogsmeade, um, like, whenever it's described and, like, when it's shown in the movies. It is thought to, it was thought to, and possibly is still thought to be haunted. Um, I think Hermione calls it, like, the most haunted place in Britain when that's not correct. It's actually Hogwarts is the most haunted place in Britain. Um, But people believe this just because of 
uh, the screams that came from the Shrieking Jack when Lupin was at school when he was, like, mm-hmm. transforming into a werewolf, which is, like, really sad so to think sad. about. Um, you cannot enter the shack through the windows or the doors. They're all boarded up. The only way you can actually get inside is through the passageway from the Whopping Willow, which we'll talk about later. Um, and so... I have, like, a lot of questions about the Shrieking Jack. <laughs> One in particular is that, like, I was not able to find whether this was, like, an old abandoned house, like, predating Lupin or whether it was, like, built for Lupin. Like, we do know that the Whomping Willow was planted, um, which might indicate that, like, it was planted after the tunnel was already dug up. Like, it doesn't seem like the tunnel would have been there before the Whomping Willow. Which, like, could imply that maybe the Shrieking Jack wasn't there before and it was also built. Um, I don't know. I I feel like it had to have been there before. Because, like, the legend is with Hogwarts students, but I feel like it's also, like, in Hogsmeade that this yeah. is this, like, old abandoned building. And, like, people in Hogsmeade during Harry's time would remember it getting built. And, like, yeah. why would it look so run down if it was built in, like, the 70s? Yeah, and then I guess it would be weird that it was built and then, like, no occupant ever, like, was in yeah. there. Yeah, so I think it was, like, there, and you could probably, like, get maybe get into it before, and I feel like Dumbledore probably, like, sealed it off, made the passageway, planted yeah. the Whomping Willow. Do you think that there was kind of already rumors that it may have been haunted before? Like, yeah, I feel like any old like abandoned spooky. house. Yeah. yeah, and then I would also assume that, I think, like, my, like a headcanon that I have is that like Dumbledore and maybe McGonagall like really fed into this like yeah. maybe they kind of like helped like do things that made it seem more haunted but speaking of it being haunted and how like everybody's scared of it and like the ghost won't even go in there like that also doesn't make sense to me like I mentioned before Hogwarts is in fact like the most haunted place in Britain and it's like the school that these students live in Mm-hmm. So even if they think that the Shrieking Jack is the most haunted place in Britain, like, you would be living in the second most haunted place in Britain. So I don't really yeah. understand what the difference is. I wonder if it's, like, they talk about it being haunted, not in the sense as, like, strictly ghosts, but, like, mm. kind of, like, there's dark magic in there. Like, maybe mm. there are kind of bog arts in there. And or maybe like, it's, like, evil ghosts. Yeah, and, like, what's that, like... I'm not going to think of it. That, like, creature... That, like, attacks you in your sleep. Oh, like, are you thinking of, like, the Lethafold? The Lethafold. Okay. You know, like, kind of stuff like that yeah. in there. Where, like, wizards and witches aren't really afraid of ghosts because, like, they know what a ghost is. and like Yeah. Because you know. I feel like ghosts are scary to, like, us humans because we don't, like, know about them. We yeah. don't know what they're going to do. Like, we can't converse with them. Um if you believe that ghosts are real. And, like, I was, I'm speaking more in, like, the movie sense, like, ghost movies kind of thing. Um, But, yeah, I guess that makes sense. And then a lot of things happened at the Shrieking Shack. This is where the Snape incident happened. Um, Going back to Snape's time at Hogwarts. So, like, when Sirius tries to get him to, like, follow them to the Shrieking Jack and James saves his life and then Snape holds that against him for the rest yeah. of Snape's life. Um, that doesn't really Don't, make sense. We'll get, we'll get to that. <laughs> um, 
This is also where that reveal happens in Prisoner that we were talking about earlier and that Audrey loves so much, where we learn about Peter Pettigrew, where we learn that Sirius isn't the bad guy, where Snape comes. Um, this is also, yeah, just like the whole scene happens. Yeah. Um, it's also where Voldemort is like posted up at the Battle of Hogwarts. It's not the boathouse. It is the Shrieking Jack, which... I don't really understand why they didn't use the Shrieking Shack because it's like it's not like they're introducing a new location. Like it's a place that the audience already knows, um, and like the boathouse we like didn't know before, so that is yeah. a new location. Maybe they didn't like have the sets anymore. I don't know. The um, only thing I can really think of is like. It works out really well with the boathouse in the movie where, like, you can kind of see Harry, Ron, and Hermione, like, in the window. Yeah. Where, like, in, with the Shrieking Shack, they would have had to, like, shoot, like, seeing Harry, Ron, and Hermione from behind, like, kind yeah. of peering in and then in the room. But, like, that doesn't yeah. seem that hard to do. The boathouse is, like, prettier, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. And, like, I don't know. I feel like some of the reasons that they could have is, like, they didn't want to show people going through the tunnel, but, like... You don't have to show that. You could have just shown them, like, walking up to the Whomping Willow and, like, the audience would get it. Or at least yeah. the people who, like, have seen all the movies would have gotten it. Yeah. I don't know. Um, so that's the Shrieking Jack. The next is Spint Witch's Sporting Needs, um, which is a sporting shop. And it's only found in the Wizarding World, like, in Orlando. It's not mentioned in any writing or in any canon. Um... But with the phrase sporting needs, I guess this kind of like loses validity because like I just mentioned, it's not really in canon anywhere, but I feel like this implies that it has more than just Quidditch stuff. Right. Yeah. Um, which like, I guess gobstones, uh, I don't know if that's like, I don't know if I consider that sporting sport. needs, but, but I could see them like selling gobstone stuff at mm. like a sporting needs store. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I think also... Yeah, I feel like it's probably mostly Quidditch. And, like, we talked about, like, the other broom games that exist. Mm, yeah. Um, so, like, maybe it mostly sells, like, brooms, Quidditch balls, that kind of stuff. Yeah. It just seems, I guess, like, Spint, which is sporting needs, sounds better than Quidditch. Because, like, you got the alliteration. alliteration. Yeah. Like, can you just pick a name with a Q, though? Exactly. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> Uh, so next up we have the Hogshead Inn, which is another, a big one in the series. So it's, um, known to be, quote, slightly disreputable. And it's known for its cheapness and interesting clientele. I believe Dumbledore is the one who says that it has, like, interesting clientele. It's a nice way to speak about your brother. I know, right? (laughs) Um, so it's an inn and a pub located like one or two streets off of High Street. So it's a bit off the beaten path of it, which I think adds to kind of its, um, its reputation. And outside when you approach it, there's like a wooden sign with a wild boar's severed head leaking blood onto the white cloth around it. I don't really know if that's supposed to be like a real boar's head. Yeah, I mean, I feel like it would run out of blood eventually. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's dirty, very dirty inside. There's sawdust on the floor. The windows are, like, opaque because they're so, like, dusty. Um, and it smells of, quote, something that might have been goats. 
which brings us to its owner, Aberforth Dumbledore. Um, younger brother of Albus, older brother of Ariana, um, potentially brother of Aurelius. Who knows? Um, <laughs> who knows if we're even going to figure out the answer to that, honestly. I feel like we <laughs> stopped caring maybe. about it. <laughs> the more yeah. time that passes, the less I'm like invested in it. Yeah. I will say that, like, the whole Aurelius thing is really the only thing I would want an answer to. Like, yes, if If there were yeah. to be no more movies, I would want to at least, like, maybe have, like, a published piece or, like, a script, maybe, yeah. something to, like, give me the answer to that. But, like, yeah. I don't need anything else. I don't one other really thing... need the Dumbledore-Grindelwald I could maybe. Do I don't that. need that, but I want to know how Dumbledore got the Elder Wand to be like yeah. rightfully his. Yeah, because we have theories on that. There are lots of theories, like yeah. about the Elder Wand and all of it. Most of the theories are like in contradiction to like what we see in the books. So, yeah. like getting a clean answer would also be nice to that. Yeah. So anyway, Aberforth Dumbledore. Is known to love goats. Around 1982, he was prosecuted by the Wisingamot for using inappropriate terms on a goat. Unclear what that involves. Don't want to go further into that. Um, he's a member of the Order during the first Wizarding War. And, like, not officially a member in the second Wizarding War, but actually ends up being really influential. He kept a watch on Harry through the shard of Sirius's mirror, which he had bought from Mundungus when Mundungus had, like, stolen it from Grimmel Place. And through watching this, he was able to send Dobby to save them, Harry and all, everyone in Malfoy Manor. Um, he also played a big role helping Dumbledore's army during the Deathly Hallows and fought in the Battle of Hogwarts and survived. So... You know, Aberforth, cool guy, apart from maybe the goat thing. <laughs> so back to the hogshead. Um, interesting etymology that I found out is that a hogshead is actually, like hogshead, one word, is actually a measurement of an alcoholic beverage, um, mm. like beer or wine. And it's about 240 liters, which is a lot. I think last time we were recording this, we looked up. How many liters? Yeah, a keg is 58.67 liters. So that's a lot of kegs. Like, what, like 200 something, right? Liters? It's 240 liters. And yeah, so it'd be like a keg is, four 50, is like kegs. 60. Yeah. So it's like, I, I assume a hog's head is like you would buy in, in like a tip. To run a pub, you know. Yeah, yeah. Not like to consume. <laughs> I'm sure frats have bought a hog's head of. Yeah, but not to consume. Like, like you don't like go to a bar and order a hog's head. Oh no, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, and so then, just some important events that happen at the Hog's Head Inn. Um, it is where the Death Eaters, Mulsiver, Rosier, Dalhov, and Not waited for Tom Riddle. Um, when he came to Hogwarts to ask Dumbledore for the death defense against the dark arts post. I wrote D-A-D-A and I had written D-E for Death Eaters and I was like mm. really confused for a second. Uh, so that's where his cronies were waiting for him. 
1979, it is where Sybil Trelawney made the prophecy about Harry slash Neville and Voldemort in the upstairs room at the end of her interview with Dumbledore for the divination position. Of course, Snape overhears and Aberforth kind of pulls him away um, and he misses the last half of it. But Snape for more on our uh, prophecy talk, tune in for next episode. Yes, <laughs> Snape then reports that too. Baltimore. It's a very important event. Um, 91-92 is um, when Hagrid plays a game of cards at the Hogsmeade, or the Hogshead in Hogsmeade, um, and he wins Norbert-Norberta and also gives up the information to Quirrell about how to get past Fluffy. In 1995 is the first meeting of the of Dumbledore's army at the Hogshead. Um, Hermione chooses this location because she thinks three broomsticks would be, like, too crowded. Um, which, honestly, like, I stand by. People are like, oh, she should have gone to the three broomsticks instead. But I think that neither was a good choice. Yeah. So, like, at the Hogshead, Mundungus Fletcher overhears. He's disguised as a witch, and he reports to Dumbledore. And then Willie Wittershins, who was heavily wrapped in bandages at the bar, um, reports to Umbridge and Fudge about the meeting. So, obviously, it's not a good place for them to meet, but, like... They would have been noticed in the three broomsticks, too, because, like, there were, like, 28 people and Harry's, like, standing up giving a speech. Yeah, I want to, like, has any ever, has anybody ever been to a pub? Like, I don't, I, I mean, I guess I don't really understand how big the three broomsticks is either. You would need, like, um, a private room, though. Yeah, you would either need, like, a back corner, like, around, like, a huge booth kind of thing. Yeah. And still have people, like, standing. But, like, standing. 28 people is a lot of people. Like, if yeah. it was, like, five people, I think they would have been fine at the Three Broomsticks. Oh, yeah, yeah. I feel um, like they would draw a lot of attention at the Three Broomsticks anyways. Yeah. And there's, like, a lot more people to, like, have the attention drawn from than yeah. at the Hogshead. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like, like it's not as clean and easy as, like, well, Hermione was stupid. She should have gone to the Three Broomsticks. I feel like either way they were going to get found out. Yeah, neither of those. There wasn't a good option. Yeah, and I feel like more people from Hogwarts go to the Three Broomsticks. Yes. And, like, professors are always at the Three Broomsticks. Yeah. And they all totally would have told Dumbledore. And, like, I think Madame Rosmerta, like, she knows everything that's going on in that pub. And, like, she's tight with Dumbledore, and she definitely would have told him. Just to be like, yo, heads up. Yeah. So... Anyway, don't, don't, I, like, everybody's always critiquing Hermione for that choice, and it's like, she didn't have a better option. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, then, so then in 97 and 98, um, like I mentioned earlier, the, the Hogshead is where, like, Aberforth provides food and help for the students at Hogwarts from, um, and he shelters the trio upon their arrival in Hogsmeade and helps them get into the castle. Oh, that was a lot. <laughs> So then the next store is the Magic Neep, which we learn we know a lot less about. It's a green grocer, which is just like a produce market. Um, in the Scots language, it neeps means turnips, so magic turnips. <laughs> and it, it's located in the Wizarding World. That's why we know about it. So I'm going to follow up the Hogshead with the three broomsticks. So this is the more popular pub in Hogsmeade. It's frequented by students, teachers, and residents. Um, Some drinks you can get there are butterbeer, fire whiskey, gillywater, mulled mead, red currant rum, and cherry syrup in a soda. 
I believe the cherry syrup in a soda is what Flitwick orders. Mm. Um, when they like, because most of those drinks, like the gilly water, the mold mead, the red currant rum, and the cherry syrup soda, I believe are from like us seeing Hagrid, McGonagall, Flitwick, and Fudge order. Um, mm. In the Prisoner Mask band. And if, or does Flitwick get the gilly water? Anyways. Uh, that can be Katie's trivia corner for the day. Um, like that's, I'm pretty sure red currant rum is fudge. That's the only one I'm like pretty confident about. And then the mead is Hagrid. Yeah. I don't know about the other two, so I'm not going to put that in Katie's trivia corner, but I'm pretty confident that fudge got the red currant rum. The inn and bar are both run by Madame Rose Murda, and she's been running the bar for at least 20 years because we know that she was there when James and the Marauders were at school, as well as Snape because she, like, talks about their relationship and seeing them come into the pub and, like, that Peter was always just, like, following them around. The Three Broomsticks is known or possibly known to be as old as Hogsmeade itself because, as I mentioned before, in, like, the founding of Hogsmeade, this is where Hengst of Woodcroft... Uh, is was reported to have lived when he was like founding Hogsmeade um so yeah that we oh this is where we learned about Sirius and Wormtail this is where we get fed the like as known to the public story Mm -hmm. of what happened um where the Shrieking Shack is where we learn like what actually happened so like I mentioned before this is when they're eavesdropping on (laughs) Madame (laughs) Rat. <laughs> Madame Rose Murda, Flitwick, McGonagall, Hagrid, and Fudge. And then this is where Hagrid invites Harry to see the dragons. Um, he's like under the invisibility cloak. I believe this is also when we learn that Moody can see through the invisibility cloak with his eye. Slash yeah. Barty Crouch Jr. Hagrid comes up and is like, meet me at my house at midnight. Um, it's like kind of creepy. Um... <laughs> And then this is where Rita interviews Harry for the Quibbler article. So this is like post the Cho debacle um, <laughs> slash causes the Cho debacle. Um, so not only was Harry leaving Cho to meet with Hermione, she was he was leaving Cho to meet with three women. Because <laughs> Luna was also there. This is also where Katie Bell gets the cursed necklace from Draco in the girls' bathroom. So the three boomsticks is very central, like very iconic. Yeah. Um, that's where you can get food at in the Wizarding World. I always get <laughs> fish and chips or mac and cheese there. The other stuff is like a little bit too out there for me. Um, so the next place is Tomes and Scrolls. It is a specialist bookshop founded in 1768, and this is another one of those that appears in the Lego video games and the Wizarding World, um, and not, like, in canon. I also don't really know what specialist bookshop means. I don't know what they specialize in. Maybe, like, it seems kind of like maybe, like, ruins, runes, like, older books, Mm. maybe Tones and Scrolls. Tones and Scrolls, yeah. I I don't know. Um, so then the next one is Wizarding Wireless Network Headquarters. So this is, of course, the Wizarding Radio Station, and they have programs, um, music programs like Witching Hour, with hosted by Glenda Chidock, which I think also features many songs by our dear Celestina Orbeck. And I um, Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, have I mentioned that I, like, watched her perform? 
Oh, at the... Yeah, I don't think I did because I think I watched it. I think I saw the performance post, like, us recording. Oh, I think you told me about it, but maybe not. Oh, it might have been on the episode, I don't know. But I watched uh, the Celestina Warbeck. Celestina Warbeck and the Banshees perform. It's very good. Highly recommend. (laughs) So they also have, the radio station also has interactive programs like Toot Shoots and Roots, which is hosted by Tilden Toots. Oh my god. Um, And news bulletins like the Wizarding Wireless Network News. So the Weird Sisters are also played on this radio station. Um, I think it's like the only Wizarding radio station and then like Potter Watch kind of becomes a thing. Uh, which isn't really the same thing, but I think they kind of get taken. The Wizarding Wireless Network gets taken over during the war, and like so, they talk about how Harry's the worst, basically. Propaganda. <laughs> yeah. Never trust the media. Right. <laughs> Don't trust anything you hear, including from us. We might be spewing fake news at you. You never know. <laughs> And then finally, we have Zonko's Jokes Joke Shop, which is, of course, a joke shop. It is another favorite spot for students on Hogsmeade weekends. Um, some of the products that they sell include dung bombs, hiccup sweets, frog spawn, soap, sugar, sugar quills, and nose biting teacups. You know, your run of the mill prankster gear. Um, Harry. Lie, we hear Zonko's mentioned when Harry like lies to Snape that the Marauder's Map is a Zonko's product, um, just like to make fun of whoever is trying to get into the pamphlet. Um, Fred and George visit Hogsmeade like after they've opened up Weasley's Wizard Wheezes, um, and their Zonko's got like boarded up during the Second World War. So Second Wizarding War. I always do that. Um, I know. And so Fred and George, like, visited to see if they, like, want to buy out Zonko's and open a branch of their shop in Hogsmeade, which probably would be, like, a really smart decision for them. So I kind of hope they do that. I feel like they wouldn't, though. I feel like Zonko's mean so much to them that they, like, I don't want to put Zonko's out of business. Yeah. They, well, they might buy it, but leave, like, the name Zonko's, maybe? Yeah, or, like... I wonder if they would, like, buy it if Zonko's was gonna go out of business. Mm. Like, it was, like, it's just, like, gonna go out of business anyway. And so they're just, like, buying it as, like, buying a new building. Um, I'm not sure. And there is a Zonko's in the Wizarding World as well. Yeah. Yeah. It is, so it's it's not just a storefront. You can go in there, but, like, the products aren't Zonko's products. It's, like, connected to Honeydukes. It's, like the exit of Honeydukes, I believe. Mm. Uh, if you want your joke products, you gotta go to Weasley's Wizard Weezes. So next we're gonna talk about the passageways to Hogwarts from Hogsmeade and from Hogsmeade to Hogwarts. So the first mm. one is the third floor corridor uh, one at Hogwarts that goes to Honeydukes, which I mentioned a little bit earlier. So to enter from the Hogwarts side, you have to find the statue of Gunhilda, on the third floor and tap her back with your wand and say descendium and that like opens up a staircase and or sorry it opens up a slide down and it's like a really long walk to Hogsmeade and I believe like in one of the descriptions I read it had like the number of like steps it has in the passageway which I didn't include here because 
I don't know where the information could have come from. Um, so I don't trust it. I mean, I didn't check the citation, which, like, I definitely could have. But either way, like, Harry mentions that it's, like, really long. And he uses this to get to Hogsmeade in his third year, I believe, twice at least. Yeah. And he get, um, uses it to get back. He runs back. Yeah, he has to run back once because, like, Draco sees him and goes to tell Snape, and he has to sprint back, which I don't know how he got back up the slide that opens up at the top. I don't know. But, yeah. Yeah, so then the next one, we already talked about a bit. It's the Whomping Willow to the Shrieking Shack. Um, like we said, the Whomping Willow was planted, and presumably the passageway was built. Um, when Lupin came to Hogwarts, so he could transform in the shack during full moons. And to access it, you need to prod a specific knot on the trunk of the tree, and then the passageway will take you into the basement of the shack. And the passageway is said to be, like, it's really narrow. Um, I think you gotta, like, get on your hands and knees some in some points. And, of course, it's used in Prisoner of Azkaban, and then um, we again see the trio use it in the Battle of Hogwarts when they, like, go there to spy on Baltimore. Yeah. Um, I have heard, like, a lot of people posit the Shrieking Shack as, like, a possible DA spot, which, granted, is, like, probably a good idea, but they already, like, have to do this, like, funky thing where they go into the room of requirement in, like, small groups because mm-hmm. they can't all be seen walking around. Whereas, like, they would literally be walking across the grounds as, like, a group of, like, 30, 40 people, you know? I feel like it's not better than the Room of Requirement. And I feel like it's easier to, like, sneak around within the castle than it is to, like, get out of the castle at night without an invisibility cloak. Yeah. Um, So the next one is the Room of Requirement to the Hogshead. So this is a passageway that wasn't there during Harry's time at Hogwarts. It was created in 1998 when Neville started living in the Room of Requirement. Um, But he needed food and drink because the room can't provide food because it's part of Gamp's elemental law of transfiguration, (laughs) I think. Um, Like, you can't produce food from nothing. So... The room provides him with food via this passageway to the Hogshead. Um, It opens up from the portrait of Ariana Dumbledore that's in the Hogshead. And the trio uses this to get to Hogwarts in May of 1998, which leads to the Battle of Hogwarts. And then kind of the last one that, or I guess not the last one, um, but there's another secret passageway that's behind a mirror on the fourth floor. Um, and Fred and George have used this passageway, and it was unknown to Filch, but it caved in during the winter of 1992, um, presumably because Fred and George did something to make it cave in. <laughs> but it's, like, unusable during Harry, once Harry finds out about it. Yeah, and we didn't mention this, but the, like, the Hogsmeade, like, wow. The Honeydukes one is the only one that Fred and George recommend to Harry because they like the Whomping Willow one I think they like saw on the map but they were like how do you do that the Whomping Willow is there and then all the other ones either felt she was about or like that one is caved in so then there's the four secret passageway that passageways that Filch knows about. We do know that one specifically is behind a statue of Gregory the Swarmy. 
Um, and then Fred and George claim that they found this passageway during their first week at school, which not that I'm skeptical because I would never doubt Fred or George, but I feel like even just the fact of like knowing about secret passageways, like in your first week of school is impressive, let alone like finding one unaided. That seems like, (laughs) like, do they just go around like tapping all of these statues? Because like for the, like one-eyed witch... The first one that I mentioned, like, you have to say a specific spell. So, it seems... Again, not that I, like, don't trust (laughs) George's, like, capability to cause mayhem. Um, (laughs) But... It also might be a slight exaggeration. Like, they're like, oh, that one's so easy to find. Like, we found that first week in school. Like That is true. Like, maybe they found it their first year. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe, like, the pre-Christmas break. Yeah. Um, yeah, so the other three, like I mentioned before, Filch does know about, and they're never mentioned, so we don't know specifically what they are, um, but I will say that, like, we do see vanishing cabinets being used, but obviously that's not to Hogsmeade, but that's, like, another secret passageway, quote-unquote, out of the school, um, that takes you to Diagon Alley, not Hogsmeade, but still, it's, like, another... Nocturne Alley, actually. True. But yes... There are, there are other ways to get out. Hi, I'm Ryan Howard. And I'm Brady Jungle. And we're the hosts of Out of Contracts, a show where we watch and talk about a random episode of Star Trek every other Sunday. For each podcast, we've used a, a random number generator to select an episode of any of the Star Trek series. And then we talk about the story of the episode, what the writers hope to accomplish, and how the episode fits into the larger tapestry of Star Trek as a whole. The thing is, though, that each of us has only seen about a third of the Star Trek episodes in existence, which means that sometimes I'll watch a late period Deep Space Nine episode and have no idea what's going on. It's fun! So, if you've ever wondered about the logistics of love on the holodeck... Or what it would really look like if all the water got sucked out of your body... Then listen to Out of Contracts every other Sunday at outofcontracts.podbean.com or wherever you download podcasts. Okay, so for our pop quiz question today, it might sound familiar because it's the exact same pop quiz question that we use for Diagon Alley, but for Hogsmeade. (laughs) Um, What is your favorite shop slash location at Hogsmeade? Yeah, so on Facebook, um, in our group, we got one response, and it was from your father, John. Oh, I remember this. <laughs> and he said, the three broomsticks. Yeah. yeah we, like, we posted that, and like within the hour, he we were like sitting in the playroom. He's like, Katie, what's the name of the bar at Hogsmeade? I was like, what? <laughs> but that's what he was asking for. Yeah, so, I mean, I probably have to agree i feel like that would be the place i would like want to go to most if i could go to hogsmeade um it just seems like a fun spot cozy you know kind of like happening and i definitely wouldn't be into the hogshead (laughs) and i love myself a good pub so (laughs) then the other like maybe less basic answer i'll give um would be tomes and scrolls just because i mean we don't know a lot about it and i think it's like it's in like not really mentioned in canon, but I love a good bookshop. I gravitate towards them, and I feel like I gave it Flourish and Blots for my fa- favorite place in Diagon Alley, so, like, gotta keep on that theme. Yeah. I do think that the Three Broomsticks is probably where I would spend the most amount of time yeah. if I were to go to Hogsmeade. Um, 
I mean, even at the Wizarding World, that's definitely where I spend the most amount of time. Because, like, <laughs> you just, like, sit there and eat. Um, yeah. But I think that I, Honeydukes, because I, I love me some sweets. I love some candy, <laughs> chocolate. Yes, you do. <laughs> um, so I feel like Honeydukes would definitely be a place I would have to go every time. And I would definitely buy something there every time. I also alternatively would probably say Scrivenshafts because I love a good stationery store. I love a good pen. I love a good notepad. I love a good planner. So Scrivenshafts <laughs> would definitely be up there as well. You can find our podcast anywhere you get your podcasts. Um, we're now into the month of August, so this is our last month of doing weekly episodes, and then we'll slow it down a little bit and go back to our every other week episodes come September and please rate and review um, anywhere you get your podcasts yeah then you can find us on social media we are wizard studies podcast on Facebook and Instagram you can join our Facebook group Uh, it's called wizard studies podcast group and then on Twitter we're wizard studies and then you can email us at wizardstudiespodcast at gmail.com. And don't forget, we are now on Patreon. So like I mentioned before, if you want to support us on Patreon, or even if you just kind of want to check out what Patreon is, learn a little bit more about it, figure out, like, look at our page, make the decision, you can find our page if you just go to patreon.com and then search for Wizard Studies Podcast. Yeah, and we'll start adding the link to the show notes. Yep. All right. As always, thank you so much for listening. And remember, just do your best, we'll do the rest. And learn until our brains all rot. Right.